Hi everybody, it's Bob Tulio. Welcome to Automatic Merchandisers, Vending in OCS Nation, the podcast for the convenience services industry. Today's topic, Driven to Give, Melissa Brown's Leap of Faith into the Coffee Business. For Melissa Brown, founder and owner of Wellbeing Coffee in Wake Forest, North Carolina, it's really all about giving back. Her parents own a nonprofit mission in Nicaragua called New Song. On a visit to the mission in 2012, she had a simple idea on how to help the nonprofit, and that idea marked the beginning of a wild ride for Brown as she put fear of failure aside and took a giant leap of faith into the coffee business. The family has a mission down in Nicaragua called New Song, and I would go down every year and uh, did my best to get my husband, John, to let us move down there. And it was a, a hard no. <laughs> and so I so said, that never happened. <laughs> nope, never happened. We visited a coffee farm on an excursion when we were visiting my mom. And I looked at John and he said, my eyes were huge. And he was like, oh, no. <laughs> and I said, why don't we import coffee? Everybody drinks coffee and we can sell it and give profits to New Song and help support them stateside instead of living there. And so he said, sure. So six weeks later, I incorporated well-being, and he was shocked by it. And I said, you know, we're, I'm going to need some money. And so he's like, well, we don't have much. And I said, well, I'm going to figure it out. So the initial goal was to do the kiosk model like you see out west, mm-hmm. where there's the little drive-through booths. And that seemed really fun. And there's not much around here, but they're really successful out there. So I went to counterculture, did all my coffee schooling, and then decided, okay, let's let's open this up. Well, six months later, I still don't have a location because landlords are not interested in, in renting such a small parcel of land, and I couldn't afford a, um, a, a brick and mortar. I ended up going to a, a seminary here in Wake Forest where I live and heard about them loving coffee but not having good coffee on on site. And so I approached the, the management and just asked, hey, can I set up a little coffee booth here? And so uh, three weeks later, I got set up. I had a little cart that I would pull in and out from the library under my $99 Dick's Sporting Goods tent <laughs> and wow. I would sell coffee. Um, but it was never going to be sustainable because of the, you know, the environment outside, the the breaks that they would take, you know, long summer, long winter. And so I knew I would never make money that way. And it turned out I finally found a location to do the little coffee kiosk, started that. But within a year, it just was really discouraging for me because some months we'd make money, some months we would lose money. I was working so hard and invested everything that we had had, you know, debt from a loan and then it just wasn't going to work. And I was like, question. So the coffee at that point is coming from where? From Nicaragua. So okay. And you're roasting it at that point? Not at that point. No. So at that point we were having it roasted there, which I didn't know was such a, a faux pas because I was new to coffee and, you know, you want it to be fresh and a lot of people like local and so on. I just wanted to support the farmers there. And so we worked out a deal to do direct trade with the farmers down in Nicaragua, and then that way they could ship it to us. And then we had it locally roasted with a friend of mine who owns Raleigh Coffee Company. So we did that for a couple of years, but I really needed to figure out a way to move this coffee. And so I said, instead of selling it by the cup, why don't I try to sell it by the pound and see if that's going to be easier to scale? 
And I remember seeing the the coffee trucks all over Southeastern Seminary's campus. And I was like, you know, they have 30 different offices on this property. What if I did the coffee? So I approached the management again and said, hey, I would like to do your office coffee management. <laughs> and they said, well, that's a, that's a big task and very different than a coffee cart. And so I just said, hey, I really would like to try. What do I need to do? And so they gave me a list of all the things. You need a website to order from. You need coffee equipment. You need to maintain the coffee equipment and all the coffee supplies. And so I put everything together and went to them and took me a few months and presented. And then they still were super hesitant because I was newer to coffee. One of the guys on campus who ran facilities took a chance on me and gave me the facilities department. And that was profiting so well. I just kept going back to management saying, hey, they love the coffee. They're bragging to everyone about their coffee and they're not getting the, the you know, store type brand. And so eventually they gave me one building after one building until I got the whole campus. And that one account made so much more money than my kiosk did. And so I decided, hey, I'm going to sell it. And So at that, at that stage of the game, you're an OCS operator. Yes, I was. Okay. I fit, I didn't even know what that was at the time. I had never heard of NAMA. I had never been to NAMA. I just was, you know, fake it till you make it type thing sure. and, and just worked hard at it. So that started going well. Um, but then I was doing everything. I was working in the business. I was, you know, packaging the coffee. I was delivering. I was going to Sam's to shop. I was doing the billing and QuickBooks and I was never going to grow the business that way. And so ended up bringing on one of the the part-time guys that worked at the kiosk, brilliant guy named Chad, who ended up being my coffee roaster. So him and I together started building this company. And then he told me they were having triplets. <laughs> so I, he's like, I'm going to need to go full-time and I need insurance. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I got the opportunity to, to quote Burt Spee's and did three months, got one of the signatures. Then their OCS provider went in, undercut everything, and I didn't get the account. And I just thought at that point, the business is over, wasted a lot of money, but I just couldn't give it up. I knew it would be successful. I just had to figure it out. So I just you know, hit the pavement, knocking on doors. Chad had gotten a job offer from Capital Coffee. And so he said, I have two weeks to figure out. I want to stay with you, um, but I, I need a job. So Anyways, literally days before he would have started, I landed a big contract um, at this biopharmaceutical place and got to bring him on full time. And then he did all the logistics so I could work on sales and build the business. So it took about four years to finally pay myself. It was lots of debt, lots of trade and barter, uh, lots of hustling to figure it out. But after four years, it really started to take off. We had a great footprint. We had a great team. And we grew the business from about 300000 in revenue to just under $3 million in revenue in three years, which was kind and of you're, crazy. And you're strictly an OCS operator at this point, correct? So it, it did uh, evolve as it does. You know, a lot of these clients want a one-stop shop. They want water. They want ice. They want pantry. They want markets. And I have a hard time saying no. <laughs> So I said, well, I'm going to figure it out. I would love to provide all of those things for you. And then, you know, I could be more competitive with the the big national guys if I can do that. So I finally found uh, a company who was spending $20,000 a month with a competitor on pantry. 
And so they wanted me to do pantry, but that meant I had to go from 150 SKUs to 700 SKUs. Right. It was crazy. And I, so that meant I had to get a bigger warehouse and take on that risk. I had to buy trucks. I had to buy equipment. It was super scary, but I knew this would take me to the next level. And around this time, I started seeing stories of people being acquired and I saw it. I said, man, I could really build this thing and be acquired and that would be life changing for us. So we did it. We brought it on. Then they ended up spending around 50000 a month just with this one account. And it really paved the way for us to, to go into these really large companies and be successful. And what's our timeline now in terms of once you when you really got rolling in OCS and became, say, a $3 million company, at, at what point was that in time? Was that around, uh, it was that like a, a 2012, 2013, or are we earlier than that? So I started it in 2012. Well, 2012 is when I did the the coffee farm tour and mm-hmm. then started it officially in 2013. But it wasn't until 2017 that I started paying myself and we were profitable. There was a lot of a, a lot of debt prior to that. So it was 2017 until we were acquired our routes were acquired in 2020. That's so not a long period of time in reality. I mean, it, no. it's pretty short period of time that a lot happened. A lot happened in that last three years. Uh, Really the first four years that I was going back from retail into wholesale with OCS, then you have to build the platform, then you have to build credibility, then you have to have cash flow to do all the equipment, all the trucks, everything. So we lived off my husband's salary and I just put everything back into the business. Sure. Do you have any bank support or were you pretty much dealing with uh, (laughs) self-capitalization? Oh boy, man, they do not like to give money to people who don't have a ton of prior business experience or lots of money in the bank. So, so you I, had I everything go everything going for you. Oh my gosh, it was it was so tough. And I'm like, listen, I have this beautiful contract here. I just need money to put all the equipment in. I mean, it was it was a hundred thousand dollars to outfit that one company that was doing fifty grand a month. Yep. They did not want to give me money. Towards the end, um, I did find some equipment funding companies that really helped me scale. But that's why I literally would barter uh, coffee for my, you know, accounting or anywhere I could barter to save money. I would, and then we took on personal loans. When did you start roasting coffee? So that started in 2016. We we got our lease. And so it was October of 16. It was really hard to find a location as well because, you know, they were worried about the the, the smell. And I'm like, it smells great, actually. I think the tenants will enjoy it. <laughs> so it took yeah. me nine months to get a location. Um, so really, we got rolling in early 2017. Okay. So at this point now, you have a roasting operation. You've got an OCS operation that's expanded into pantry in a lot of different directions. Yes. What happened then? Man, life got crazy. I had to uh, to learn the hard way to to schedule my time better, to have a balanced family life. It was really hard on our family. You know, we have very young kids at the time. There were so many 3 a.m. nights I woke up and just couldn't sleep and got up and worked because there was just a lot on my plate. So mm-hmm. definitely was challenging, but it paid off. But I, I am enjoying more quality of life now for sure. That's good. And and ultimately, you sold the company. Yeah. So I sold about 80% of the business uh, to Canteen. Guess, the, guess what? It was uh, March 9th, 2020. 
It's pretty good timing, isn't it? Yeah. God is good, man. I'm telling you, there was the stars aligned and I really wasn't looking to sell because we were scaling so quick. So seven months prior to this, um, I was on the board of something called EO and EO is an entrepreneurial organization. And as the new board member, I got all the task of running around speakers and, you know, all the busy work. So a guy named Eric Maddox came in. He was the negotiator for the Saddam Hussein capture. So he's a speaker now. He comes in and is teaching us all about negotiations. So he and I were in the car and I told him, hey, you know, in the last month, I've had three national companies approach me wanting to buy me. And it's been super encouraging, but I don't want to sell. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And I said, what was that look for? He said, Melissa, there's always a number. Anytime you have multiple companies bidding, then you can play them against each other and get a really good cash out. And so that gave me the confidence to at least hear them out. And then when I found out what my company was worth, I was shocked. I had an amazing set of lawyers, uh, an amazing accountant, CPA, and we put together a, a really good plan finally closed on March 9th. And then you ultimately remained in the roasting business. Is that correct? Canteen's massive. So having that partnership uh, was a big deal for Wellbeing. And that's why I ended up choosing them. But yes, I kept the the brand name. I still own Wellbeing 100% and uh, just focused on coffee ever since. And are you continuing to give back to that mission in Nicaragua? This is my favorite, favorite part. Um, So even through the first four years when we weren't paying ourselves, I knew the whole purpose was to give. And so I still gave back, you know, as much as I could, which might only have been four or $5,000 a year at the time because there just wasn't a lot of money. So what I was super excited about with the acquisition was the ability to give a big chunk of money through something called a donor advised fund. The amount that we were able to give yearly supports about half of the whole mission's budget. How important is it, do you think, for operators and people in business in general to give back? They, they, I mean, they all want to and they all you know, would like to, but they don't know how to apply it. But business owners are so busy that they don't have time to go out and look for this. So that was one thing different about my business is I was able to bring several canteen people down to to Nicaragua. I was able to bring Agora Coffee down to Nicaragua. And that's something I love so much because one, it helps the farmers down there. We can import directly from them and start bringing in more containers of coffee. And so I like to give people the opportunity to give back, but I help set that up for them so they don't just have to go and, and look on their own. That's it for now. In the next episode of Vending in OCS Nation, Tuesday, October 17th. Do you think B2B telemarketing is dead? Don't say that to Amanda Puppo as we take our first look at how telemarketing has evolved into a viable business development tool for operators. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Bob Tulio.